15 minutes ago, the world changed. Companies are microchipping their workers. Robots are hiring humans. And brain-to-brain -brain communication is a thing. This is all happening now. If you want to know what happens next, listen to the Jim Stroud Podcast. One of the biggest challenges of an employer brand, especially an employer brand that is focused and built around a strong EVP of some kind, is how do you tell or how do you provide an understanding of what that EVP is trying to say, what its value is, what it's like to work here, to a wide variety of audiences. And I don't just mean the difference between doctors and nurses or and, and, and admins. I mean your company is in 12 countries and each country is a little different. If you're in the U.S., talking to Detroit and talking to Houston, very different, right? Everybody's got a different group, you know, whether it's the team or the function or the department or the location or the office or what have you. There are a lot of microcultures, right, flooding your company. And how are you expected to build an umbrella that both covers all of them appropriately but doesn't become some boring, mushy-in-the-middle, means-nothing pablum? Well, the answer is to get more modular, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We'll be right back. Welcome to the TalentCast, the world's most caffeinated employer brand podcast. I'm your host, James Ellis, and I've been doing employer brand for years now, and I absolutely love the industry. I love how it's growing. I love how it's changing. And I've tried to do my part to elevate the concept, to get everybody to understand the power employer brand can have in hiring, attracting, and retaining talent. So we try to really focus on driving home the idea that this is a calling and a craft. It's a lot of getting your hands dirty, but it's also a lot of big strategic thinking. And that's where we kind of live, that kind of uh, Venn diagram, the intersection between those the big ideas and the getting the details right. So we talk a lot about employer brand and how to do it right and how to think about it and how to look at your problems in a whole new way. Ready to rock? One, two, three, let's go. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis recording live in my dining room here in Chicago. Um, just as a reminder, I've got open office hours, so you can sign up and get 15 minutes with me to ask me anything you want, get my advice, uh, get my take on something, get some second set of eyes on your problem. I'll look at your resume. I don't know. What do you want me to do? I'm here to help. Let me know. Just go ahead and there's a link in the show notes. Go ahead and click the link and let me find a way to help you out. Two, newsletter. Going to hit 1,000 subscribers in the very, very near future. Go ahead and subscribe. It is nothing like the podcast. Uh, it is really, hey, look, these are articles and this is what people are saying and this is what the industry is talking about. This is a way for in 10 minutes to get much, much faster on the, what the world's doing and you can be moving faster than anybody else around you. So isn't that always a good thing? So anyway, modular employer brand. So here's the deal. In modern parlance, the EVP is an idea, it's a concept, right? The reason, your value proposition of why people should work for you, that is one that is both authentic and useful and valuable and true to who you are, but at the same time, you can frame in a way that differentiates you from other companies, that's a big ask. Because really, ultimately, what you offer people is a paycheck, probably some benefits, and probably a couple of other ancillary things. But then again, so does every other company you probably know, especially the ones you're competing with. If you're a hospital, if you're a bank, if you're a dot-com or an e-com company, if you're a fintech company, what you offer is going to be very similar to what your competition offers in the same industry. 
Now, if you're trying to hire across industries and you're hiring uh, an account representative or a project manager or a product manager, you might find that you're competing with an even wider group of people because the person who's going to be amazing for that job may not come from your industry but still be amazing. And consequently, you've got more competitors to consider. So building that EVP is not easy. And the way to we do, in a way we approach that to make it more useful, to make it more valuable, is to create what we've referred to as pillars, right? Anywhere from, I don't know, call it three to five, three to six, don't go too much farther than that, uh, concepts that support, think of it as an architecture, the pillars that support the major claim of your employer value proposition, right? Now, let's say you have four pillars. Great. And what can those pillars be? Well, they're things that you offer but are not purely the value proposition. Yes, they're good things. They're things you like to, to, to reward. They're things you care about as a company. They're things you want to encourage people care about as a culture. But it's not the shining principle of the North Star about why people work for you. So let's say – and let's take, let's take an easy one because it's one that everybody uses anyway. Let's take this idea that if you work at this company that you and I work for apparently – you're here because you want to make an impact. Now, happily talk about how every single company in certain industries, and frankly, that's pretty wide, um, uses the phrase impact as if it's magic, as if, ooh, hey, people want to make some, make some impact. And we've all been told, the data has told us that the millennial generation, all they want to do is have a purpose and make an impact and blah, 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 blah. And that's kind of true, but they've grown out of that a bit more, uh, especially as the world has changed around them in a way that no one expected. And so that's not quite as powerful a message, but we've decided that is what we're going to stand on. The fact that it's not as popular a message doesn't mean it's not valid. It doesn't mean it's not something you can build on. But the concept of work here and make an impact is a concept. You're going to find a way to word that such that it's not using the word impact like a thousand other companies in your industry does. You need a way to say that in a way that differentiates yourself. That is, it sticks, it works, it connects, it feels like you, it uses your voice. All these under wonderful brand terms we love to use. You're going to do the good work on that. Great. Your, but your concept is around the concept of work here and you make an impact. Okay. The pillars below that might be a way of saying, how do you make that impact? Well, one, we respect our people. Everybody who works here, we give them the respect and we expect everyone to respect everyone else. There's a culture of respect. Great. That's another concept. It's a symbol. Respect. You can have Aretha Franklin sing it. Go for it. I mean, you're going to have to pay for that, but whatever. Second pillar is the idea that the best answer wins. I've seen that quite a bit lately. Okay, this idea that you're willing to argue, you're willing to, to get into the nitty gritty of it, but ultimately it's not about the highest paid person's opinion wins, it's the best answer wins, regardless of where it comes from in the company. And that is a, that is a culture driving concept. Great, and I'm just making these up, you know. Third pillar. Uh, let's do customer focus. Now, I quibble with that one because I know when companies use that as a value, I kind of roll my eyes because if you don't value your customers, I'm not sure exactly what your company does value. Um, that seems to make no sense. But if you say, look, here's the deal. We work here because we want to solve problems for our customers is a valid stance. It is not all that unique, but that's okay. It's a valid stance. And maybe you have some sort of way of looking at it that says, this is how we are unique. It's not about we're Nordstrom's and thus we provide a level of customer service far beyond the pale, but we do value it. We do care about it. It's something core to our company. And we'll, we'll talk about more of that in a second. And then the third, fourth pillar is, ah, uh, 
inspiring purpose. No, no, let's not do that. Let's do inspiring leadership. That our leadership is driven to to change the industry, to change the way people do blank. Uh, and we are going to find ways of leading into this new century, new world, new generation, and we're going to inspire people. That is your pillar. Okay. You now have your EVP and your four pillars. So you can kind of say, interestingly, that your company is starting to take shape. Yes, you are one of a couple thousand companies that refer to make an impact as their EVP, but not a lot of companies are going to have the same pillars. Okay, we're starting to differentiate ourselves, and that's great. But now we're going to get in the fun part. The fun part is, what happens when you're about to go to Grace Hopper, and everybody knows what Grace Hopper is, right? If you don't, go look it up. The Grace Hopper event um, is in the fall in the States usually. Um, it, there's a couple of others. I know there's one in India. I believe there's a couple of others. You have to look yours up. But Grace Hopper is women in tech, women in development, software development and tech. So you know if you're going to go to Grace Hopper, you're going to be speaking to women. Great. Have you thought about how strongly each one of your value propositions and pillars connects to women? And there's a lot of ways we can do it, and I'm not going to get into the data and the research side of it, though I'm happy to do that because that's kind of my day job. But the concept is it turns out what you know is that women care about the respect pillar, the impact pillar, and the inspiring leadership pillar. Let's not quibble with it. Let's just say that's true. So if you normally go out with five different messages, one for EVP and one for each of the pillars, you now know that when you're talking to women in tech, you should focus on the EVP, but flavor it as strongly as you can with respect and inspiring leadership because that's what they engage with. Okay. Suddenly you can see how your EVP and your entire employer brand becomes what we refer to as modular, right? You use certain pieces as you need it. You do not have to give the entire history of the company when you talk about the success of the company. You do not have to give every element of the EVP when you're talking about the employer brand. You work with what connects with people. Now, this is not insincere because what you're trying to do is trying to engage a person to learn more about your company. Your employer brand's ultimate job is to get people to see you in a certain way. Chances are it's in a way they hadn't considered in the past. You want to make them go, huh, I hadn't thought of that. And as I've long said, if I can make you say, huh, I hadn't thought of that, I've done my job both as a podcaster but and as an employer brander. I never considered Groupon that way. I never considered Amazon that way. I never considered uh, Bob's House of Fish Sticks that way, right? You're shaping and influencing their perception of what it's like to work there. That is what your job is, okay? You're not having to say, here's everything you need to know. You can pick and choose the elements of the EVP that you know are more likely to resonate with that audience and leverage them. In no way are you hiding anything like the other pillars. You're simply saying this is the bait that's going to work. Having hooked that fish and reeling them in, that's as you give them other messages. The fact that it resonates doesn't mean that's the only thing they care about because people who care about inspiring leadership also want to know it's an ethical company. They also want to know it's a company that's going to succeed. They also want to know they're going to get paid and they're going to get paid fairly. They're also going to want to know there's decent benefits. They're also going to want to know and also going to want to know because getting a job means a lot of information. But if I tried to stuff that into your gullet goose a la foie gras style, you're not going to really engage with me as a recruiter. So you use something to hook them, drag them in, and you start to feed them the stuff they want to know. Now, take it a step further. 
if you simply stand in Grace Hopper, I'm back to Grace Hopper, you got a little booth. Good for you. You got a booth. They're not cheap. You got yourself a booth and women in tech are walking past your booth. What is the message behind you? Is it going to be make an impact? We respect people because that's right up there with saying I'm funny. Comedians should never have to say I'm funny. You should be laughing. They're putting out a message that engages with you that creates the thought that they want you to have that they are funny. If I want you to think I'm funny, I do not sit there and tell stories about how people died. I don't sit here and tell stories about imminent uh, global climate disaster. I don't talk about um, the horrible things happening in all the world that we try not to think about. That's not how I make you laugh. If my job is to make you think I'm funny, my job is to find a way to make you laugh. And I might put a pie in my face. I might trip. I might have an adversary, a really tight five, right? All sorts of ways I can make you laugh to make you think I'm funny. So if you want the audience walking past you to think this is a place where they could make an impact, where you treat people with respect, and what was the other one? Inspiring leadership. You have to package those three ideas and put them on a tagline or a billboard or a booth line or something the person standing at the booth can say that will make people think that this is a company that cares about these things and take a step closer if it resonates with them. How do you do that? Well, saying you're funny and saying you have inspiring purpose and saying you want to make an impact doesn't get you very far. You have to tell stories. You have to give them proof points. If I'm trying to make you laugh, I don't just say laugh, though actually that works for my daughter. If you do it in a better voice and you stare at her like kind of mean and you say, don't laugh, she's going to laugh. She's going to giggle. That's just what she does. But she's five. And I don't know anybody wants to hire her at the moment. If you do, call me. If you want someone to engage and get your message, you want to tell them something that will make them go, really? Wait, what? And then you give them more information. You create the moment of attention. You attract them. You engage them. And one of the ways we do that is by telling stories or creating proof points. Perhaps your proof point is, did you know our stock price has doubled in the last three years? Did you know we've doubled the number of customers we've had in the last six months? Did you know da-da-da? Maybe it's a data point. Maybe it's a story about a manager, who, a person who started in the mailroom is now CFO. Maybe it's, hey, did you know that we're uh, having since been acquired by blah, 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 we've doubled our resources and now we're doing this big strategy. Okay. These are called proof points. So if you think about your EVP in a, in a architectural structure, you've got at the very top the EVP, you've got the pillars right underneath it, and you've got stories that prove, proof points, the pillars in the EVP. Now, what's interesting about this architecture is that there's kind of a back and forth to it. Because as I mentioned before, when we're talking about these concepts, make an impact, inspiring leadership, respect for people, whatever it is, best answer wins. Those are very simple concepts. But those concepts can be interpreted very differently by very different audiences. If you say respect for your people, what the hell do you mean by that? Because you can mean a lot of different things. You can mean this is a place where we don't swear at each other, or this is a place where we let people who like to swear swear. Those are two different ways of showing respect and treating others with respect. They're equally valid, right? You want to treat me with respect, you do not treat me with kid gloves. That is how I like to be treated. That is how I like to, like, I feel like I'm showing respect. If I've done something bad, you tell me, James, you screwed that up. That didn't, that didn't work. That didn't connect. Let's fix it. Okay, great. I don't feel like you're beating me up because you're telling me I, there's a problem here that I've created a problem and now we're going to work together to solve it and that means I'm going to learn something. I'm going to get better at it. That's how you treat me with respect. If you treat me with kid gloves 
and say, look, I don't want to get mean here and I don't want to be, I don't want to yell at you or I don't want to kind of tell you you're bad because I want to show you that I respect you even though you've clearly screwed that thing up so badly that we've had to set it on fire and start from scratch. Uh, but I want to show you that I treat you from respect. That's going to make me freaking nuts. That is not how you treat me with respect because what I interpret respect is going to be different than what someone else retreats as respect, right? In a lot of ways, a lot of this fretting over woken PC culture and cancel culture is really about understanding that, yes, certain underserved audiences feel disrespected by something and so thus we should kind of make them feel like they're treated with respect. But at the same time, is that how everybody wants to be treated? Is it how everybody should be treated? How do you understand and conceptualize the concept of respect? Is it that when you treat someone with respect, are you saying, look, when we're going to promote someone, we want to make sure that there's at least one woman in the, in the mix of potential candidates. Is that treating with respect? Or is it the most obvious best candidate is going to get the job? Or is it we open the door to everybody and we looked at all the different kind of skill sets they have, everybody seems to have, and we want to say what is the one that drives us forward the most? They're all ways of showing respect in a very diverse way. But when you say we show respect, what the hell do you mean by that? And I apologize if I've kind of stepped in some, some very complicated DNI waters and I've stirred that pot. And I didn't mean to. I'm not trying to do that. But you got to understand that everybody is different, right? We, we can all agree that everybody's different and it's not just necessarily a, a demographic, gender, ethnographic, whatever difference. It's about, look, do people who look the same may have very different senses of what the word respect means, okay? I've gotten in trouble because I've been too blunt, Really, James? You don't say. I know. It's crazy to think, but here we are. And because the sense was I wasn't treating someone with respect. And the truth is, by being blunt, I was treating them with how I wanted to be treated. Thus, I felt like I was respecting them. But the, when we said that the company, we respect people, it wasn't clear what we meant by that. It was a concept that was undefined. And when we go undefined, we're not explaining it. So what happens is when you have a concept that is undefined, people go, I don't get what this is. But if you have proof points that show what you mean by that concept, you're suddenly giving the concept a sense of shape, right? You're telling, explain what do the edges of respect look like? What is the edges of uh, best answer wins? What is the uh, edges of inspiring purpose, or I'm sorry, inspiring leadership look like? How far does that take you? What does that look like? How do you help it? How do we reinforce it? How do we value it? How do we reward? It explains what the heck we mean in that conceptual element. The EVP might be making an impact. What the hell does that mean? So we tell stories. And those stories show how people at this company make an impact and what we mean when we say make an impact and what we look for in people who are trying to make an impact because what you look like when you think about when you say I want to make an impact may be very different than how I think about making an impact. Right? Some people are very collective. They're really good at saying, we're going to band together. We're going to take no individual glory, but the team creates an impact. And by going, you know, the, the line, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together, right? They're very much in that. We want to go far, make the biggest possible impact, and we're going to do it by bound, banding together to create that impact. That is a way of making an impact and saying you care about making an impact. It's a culture that says, this is how we manifest that sense of impact. I might tell you that in some places, the individual creates the impact far more than the collective does. And there are plenty of examples of that. Now, one is not right. <laughs> if I were to tell you I'm an individualist, not a collectivist, that's my way of approaching it. It's how I'm comfortable. It's how I think about the concept of the word impact. 
But if you just tell me I'm all about impact and you mean collective and I mean individual and I come and join you and I'm like, whoa, 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 what do you mean we all band our hands together? What do you mean that we all have to make, we run all our thoughts by everybody else to kind of make sure we're all on the same page and make sure, whoa, that's not what I mean by making impact. I mean one man, you know, kind of breaking through a wall by him or herself. That's what I mean by impact. And you're going to say, if you're the collectivist going, that's not how you make an impact, but it is. It's a way. So the proof points, kind of as, as the information flows down, here's our value proposition. Here are the pillars, and I'm kind of literally with my hands kind of doing a walking down the, the pyramid kind of thing. So you've got the very top, you've got the EVP. In the middle, you've got the, 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 the pillars. At the bottom, you've got the proof points. What happens is the proof points define the pillars, which then therefore kind of shape what we mean by impact. The company that says we care about best answer wins and, 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 and respect for each other and uh, inspiring leadership is different than the company that says we want to make an impact, but we want to do it via prestige and we want to do it by, by uh, um, market success. Very different companies, even though the conceptual top of the pillar is the same, the top of the pyramid. So who you talk to means you get to cherry pick which part of the EVP, which of the pillars, and which of the touch points or proof points you use to tell that story. If you're going to a historical black college, the proof points and the stories you tell are going to be different than the one you may tell at Stanford or Harvard or the Sorbonne, or if you're recruiting at a higher level, if you're, if you're recruiting an executive. Who you're speaking to is going to change the motivations and drivers of the people you're speaking to. Thus, you should be using different bait. Different shape bait, different taste bait, different, different bait. But the, 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 the response, the reaction is, if you're using two different kinds of bait to attract people, are you attracting them to the same company? Can you say you have a cohesive EVP? And the answer is yes, so long as you've structured it to be modular, just like we've talked about. All right. That's what I had to say, assuming I didn't stir the muck a little bit with that DNI step in. I'm sure I messed that up somehow. I apologize. It's not my intention. Um, happy to have that conversation. But that's what we mean by modular EVP. You're not looking to create an EVP that only attracts a certain kind of person. You're not always trying to attract, attract a 30-year-old Latino man. You're not always trying to attract a 25-year-old white uh, gay ma a woman. You're not always trying. You're not always, always, always. You're trying to build a company that lots of different people can be successful at so long as they are connected to the core of what the company is and bring value to it. That's the other part. That's the quibble. I almost finished there. And I have one more point I guess I have to make. There's that quibble of the difference between culture fit and culture add right? The sense that if you make an EVP super crystal clear, people go, I feel like I fit that culture, which of course the outcome eventually is that everybody kind of starts to act, look, and sound the same because they're creating a singular way of looking at the world, a singular kind of person, a singular set of motivations that people care about. They're too focused on the singular and they only tend to attract the same kind of people who reinforce that idea. Whereas if you have a modular EVP and people get to pick and choose and say, look, this is the part of the elephant I care most about. I still care about the whole elephant, but in the end, the thing that I care most about is this one. That's okay that you care about that one over there because I know that by caring about the ear where I care about the leg, we're still ultimately caring for the whole elephant. And that's a culture add. 
Whereas I'm going to see it slightly differently. I'm going to bring my value to that. We're going to find a way to work together. And that's kind of a culture layer, right? Uh, which isn't quite the same as an EVP or a employer brand layer, but that's separate. Let's talk about culture separately. Um, but that's how you get people who come in with different viewpoints and different ways of doing things to feel like they're connected to the brand, even if they're in Thailand and you're in Germany and someone else is in California. You can still see that you're working for the same company because the messaging was modular enough that engaged the part of those audiences you're trying to talk to without deviating from the conceptual whole. Does that make sense? I might have to talk about this more. Feel free to email me or text me or Twitter me or whatever you want to do. You know how to find me. I'm on Twitter at The War for Talent. I'm on LinkedIn. It's hard to miss me. Um, you know, the website, the whole nine yards. You can always find a way. I'd love to quibble about this. But that is the concept of a modular employer brand. That's how you tell different kinds of stories in different ways to different audiences while still aligning to the concept of what this company's brand is all about. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you all next week. Bye. This has been an episode of the Talent Cast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. If you'd like to get in touch with me, a couple ways to do that. Obviously, there's Twitter at The War for Talent. You can go to the podcast website at thetalentcast.com. If you'd like to stay up to date on the news of this industry and what's going on, just go to employerbrand.news and sign up for the email newsletter with lots of news and links to other places. If you just want to connect with me on LinkedIn and just say hello or let's just talk. That's linkedin.com slash in slash the war for talent. Or I bet if you just search for James Ellis, I pop up pretty quick. Otherwise, if you have any questions, concerns, considerations, ideas for podcasts, holler at me, let me know what's going on. Thank you if you've shared it. Please share if you haven't. Rate us, review us. I love all that stuff. It really does help kind of keep the message going and get the message out there. Thanks again, and uh, we'll see you next week. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. out.